This week on Making Contact. It can get eerily quiet in these places. Real quiet. Mostly what you're going to hear is your own breathing. President Obama recently declared that we have banned torture without exception. However, some would take exception to this claim. The practice of isolating a person in solitary confinement for extended periods of time causes severe sensory deprivation and has been denounced as torture by the United Nations. But tens of thousands are locked up in solitary confinement in American prisons. I could hardly sleep, like I had insomnia. Waking up at night in the sweats, panic attacks. Producer Claire Schoen met nine formerly incarcerated people who described what it's like not to talk to or touch another person for years at a time. I'm Tina Rubio, and this is Making Contact, a program connecting people, battle ideas, and important information. The hole. We called it the hole. The hole. The hole. The hole. That's what prisoners call it, among other things. The bucket, the can, the box, the hole, the bing, uh, the chiller, lock up, maxi maxi, the shoe, solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. One person, one cell. The cell that I lived in most of the time was six feet wide and about nine feet long. The cell was probably like maybe seven feet, maybe nine feet long. Maybe nine by six. Five by nine. Five maybe by nine. Maybe a ten by whatever. It was big enough for me to lay down, and I'm six foot three. It's, it's very small. These men and women are survivors. That's the term for prisoners who have survived solitary confinement. Because the hole is something which must be survived, if you're lucky. Lockdown, total lockdown. The best way I can describe it is this. The cell was a windowless cell. And you had a bar door and an outer solid door closed over you. The door was a double lock slide door. Uh, the walls were cinder block. Cement, like a slab for us to sleep in. The bed is a four-inch slab of concrete. The bed is concrete. There's a uh, small concrete slab that serves as your table. And the floor, it was concrete. There was a sink with no stopper and a toilet. There's a combination toilet and sink that's stainless steel, no seat, you know. Everything is concrete and steel. Metal and cement. That was it. No two stories that I heard were exactly alike, but a picture of the experience of solitary confinement was emerging. The light. I did not have control over the light switch. Why double neon light? It was usually on, and it was very difficult to get it turned off at night. There's one light that comes in from the outside that's on all the time. There's lights on um, most of the night. The light would be on sometime 24-7. It never went out. People are in situations where they have the lights on 24 hours a day. And the situation I was in, the lights were out 24 hours a day. They never turned the lights on. It's been too much light, which can be blinding, and it was too much darkness, which is also blinding. It's been both at times. Solitary confinement is about sensory deprivation. The boxcar cell is designed for sensory deprivation because the cell itself is recessed, it sits in, and there's bars on, on the front of it 
But then you have what's called a trap or a dead space. And then you have another solid door and wall. You cannot stand up to the bars and see a little bit down to the left or a little bit down to the right. There was a big door that closed and you didn't hear anything outside of the door. And the first night that I was there, I thought, ah, it's so quiet. But very quickly, the quiet becomes oppressive. It can get eerily quiet in these places. Real quiet. Mostly what you're going to hear is your own breathing, you know? You might hear your heart rate pumping up. You could hear bugs. What you hear is nothing. You know, there, there is no sound to hear. Sensory deprivation but it's also about overwhelming the senses. When there is a noise, like a steel gate opening because the guards are gonna come down to tear, it's just nerve-wracking to hear that noise. Coming onto the tear, it's a heavy steel door and it opens electrically, which means you hear <laughs> They step in and they just let it slam shut. All right? They walk down the tier, they get combat boots on. Boots hitting concrete. And all the guards carry clubs. Banging the, the batons for whatever it is they have, the nightsticks, against the wall. You hear a lot of banging. Mental ill guys do this banging. Screaming and yelling, crying, uh, cops uh, threatening constant threats. Sometimes you welcome the noise. You wanted to hear somebody, regardless of what noise they made. I really wanted to talk to somebody, you know, just somebody to be there. You can go days without talking to people, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. You can't touch anyone. You can't hear anybody speak. There was no touch. There was no human touch. No, no human touch. Except for aggressive touching by guards when they would come in to to uh, chain me up to take me out. No human touch. You have no contact with guards unless you're handcuffed and shackled. Human touch. Or human pat touch. search me, which they would do, although I was only in that cell, so what could I have? Touch. I did not touch anyone for years. It's all. It's just all in your head. For years. For years. Well, you can touch the, uh, the cement. Uh, that's about it. The whole affects one's sense of touch, sight, sound, even smell. It's a dusty smell. Smell like concrete. Or steel, I think maybe some rust. Stale, musty air. You know the smell of rust? That was it. Uh, steel. Metal that was it. Nine cells, nine bodies, nine stories. Who are these people? Americans are imprisoned for everything from drugs or theft to possession of weapons and robbery to assault and murder. And some are innocent. Two of these nine former prisoners had their convictions overturned after decades in prison. My name is Hakeem Shahi. My prison number was 1019950. I was a federal prisoner from 1989 to 2006. My name is Laura Whitehorn and I'm from New York City. I did a uh, little more than 14 years. I was a federal prisoner. My name is Robert Delalo. 
I'm from Massachusetts. I'm 66 years old. I just completed a 40-year sentence that I overturned. Well, I hit most of all the reform schools. I hit the Concord Prison and Walpole State Prison. I've been to Marion, Illinois twice. I've been in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. My name is Bilal Suni Ali. I'm originally from Harlem, New York. I'll be 60 years old in July. I was in prison for five years totally, if we count it all up. Manera El Bumani from Newark, New Jersey. I was in prison for four years in the Edna Mayhem Correctional Facility in uh, Northern State Prison. Ray Luke Lavasar was born and raised in Maine, left for many decades, uh, returned in 2004 when I got out of prison. I was in prison 20 years, including uh, the notorious federal prison at Marion, which is the prison that replaced Alcatraz. And then when ADX administrative maximum was built, I was sent to ADX. I'm Tommy Escarciga. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. I was in a, in a jail that was called Civil Brand Institute for Women. Daino King Archangel Rodriguez, a member of the Almighty Land Kings and Queens Nation in New Jersey State. I've been in the pen as an adult, 12 and a half years. Uh, Northern State Prison, Yardville Correctional, Bordentown Correctional, Trenton. Concord Prison, Southwoods. Marion. And as a juvenile, probably around 26 uh, institutions. Robert King Wilkerson, Angola State Prison, Louisiana. Uh, it's a maximum security prison. It covers 18,000 acres. It gets its name from the country, Angola, Africa, because it, it's alleged that a lot of the slaves um, coming from Angola were habitated at that plantation. All of these prisons have solitary confinement cells. The use of solitary is widespread in the U.S. and growing. Tens of thousands of inmates are locked in solitary today. In fact, there are now more than 30 supermax prisons where every inmate in the entire institution is in solitary confinement. They come up with fancy names. You have SHU. SHU is the special housing unit. It was also called administrative segregation. That's a nice polite term for it. CCR, and it means closed cell restricted. Uh, time out, that's a little euphemism. Uh, another name for solitary confinement is El Hoyo, which means the hole. We called it the hole. Prison itself is hard and dangerous, but some would argue that it is a fair price to pay for criminal actions against society. However, being put in solitary confinement has nothing to do with what you did on the outside, why you were arrested, tried, convicted. In fact, prisoners are not sentenced to solitary by a judge or in a court of law at all. It's a decision that happens once you're inside. It's made by a prison warden or a prison board at their discretion and with very little oversight. They placed me in solitary because I was, um, I was a member of the Black Panther Party. <laughs> uh, that was their reason, but uh, I think they ran out of reason after a couple of years. The hole is supposed to be used for the protection of the prisoner or those around him, but it isn't always the most violent who are sent there. Instead, it's those who are seen as troublemakers. It's used as punishment for those who will not, or in some cases cannot, obey the rules. The mentally ill end up in solitary. So do the organizers. 
is not always for safety. If you are a leader of any group, or if you are influential of a group of inmates, then they can use that to lock you down. I was organizing the women in civil brand because the deputies there were turning on the heat in the summer and the fan in the winter. So uh, being that I had not ever been to prison before, uh, I said, they can't do this. <laughs> and you know, all the rest of the prisoners are looking at me like, yes, they can. No, 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 we have to organize and all that. And so they came for me. The last 10 years of my incarceration was uh, uh, spent in Marion Federal Prison, which everyone knows is a supermax lockdown, 23 and 1. I was sent there for giving a speech to the NAACP. Uh, the prison officials at the United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute claimed that the speech that I gave them was inflammatory. The speech was only telling the NAACP visitors at the prison that there was a lot of racism going on in the prison amongst the guards, and there was unneeded and unjustified um, touching from the guards on prisoners. They felt that um, it was an embarrassment. So they decided that it was time to teach me a lesson. These are their words now, to teach me a lesson. Now, I was supposed to be sent there for 18 months. Uh, however, I spent 10 years there. Because they say they intended to, you know, to reform, but um, they're designed to, to punish um, because all the reform was taken out of prison, the so-called, quote, reform. You're listening to Making Contact, a production of the National Radio Project. If you'd like more information or for CD copies of this program, please call 800-529-5736. You can also download programs or get our podcast at radioproject.org. We now return to Survivors of Solitary Confinement. There are also the stories about physical abuse, beatings and assault by guards. They're upsetting, though not unexpected, because we hear those stories. But the idea of solitary confinement, the conscious act of separating a human being from everything that allows us to be human, that's something we don't hear about. You had nothing in the room but you. This your lonely body in a cell that's empty. It's, it's hard to describe nothing. Emptiness. That's what solitary confinement is. No other way to describe it. And you were confined to a cell 23 hours a day. 23 hours in lockup. I was there 24 hours a day. When prisoners are allowed an hour of exercise, they're still often kept in isolation. You got recreation sometimes. They'll determine whether you should get rec, whether they want to give you rec. Nothing's guaranteed in a control unit. Nothing's guaranteed. Decisions about every minute aspect of daily life seem random and arbitrary. No matter what a book says, if a book says you're entitled to a pencil, you're not going to get a pencil. Food that was supposed to be hot would be served cold. Food that was supposed to be served cold would be served hot. It's little microaggressions. I've been in holes where they control the toilet flush from the outside. It was like their form of punishment. Coming and going. I gotta be strip searched. 
bare ass naked, you know, and it's a full, you know, cavity search and the whole thing. The main thing was not so much each condition, because those changed sometimes. The main thing was the message, you have no control. You are at our mercy. The key is in the hand of, of a prison guard who may or may not follow the orders of the board that put you in, in isolation. And you had no recourse. Or the people who sentenced you to isolation may tell them, don't let them out when his time is up. And that was the thing, I think, that made me the most depressed, was that no one was holding them accountable. I've spent seven and a half years in the control unit. Maybe about 12 years in lockdown. I was there for 29 years, you know. Solitary confinement. Many, many years in solitary confinement. 29 years, you know, 29 years, 29 years, you know. 29 years in solitary. How could this be happening here? This is not Guantanamo or Abu Ghraib. This is Kentucky, Louisiana, California, New York. Every state in America uses solitary confinement. Solitary confinement is just as real as real could be. It it plays on you big time, and it, it could um, it could wipe the mind. What does it do to a person to be locked up in a nine by six room for weeks, months, years, alone? A life like that it damages you psychologically, you know, because uh, human beings uh, need to interact with each other. It's not normal to be in the dark for days and days and days on end. It strips you of a lot of things. It mixes you up. I could hardly sleep like I had insomnia. Waking up at night in the sweats, panic attacks. I would have a panic attack and I would bang on the wall. I would bang on the wall. It would trigger something in my nerves where I would break out in hives from head to toe. It would happen three or four times a day. Your senses is so sharp, you can actually hear a mouse walking on the floor. I lost track of time. They took my watch, and I was not permitted to know what time it was. There's no concept of time. You know no time in lockdown. There's sleep and awakeness. That's it. And the madness in between and the all madness that. in between all that. Hate and the anger take such control of you. Your rational thinking goes out the window. I felt angry. I felt so angry at times that I couldn't focus on anything else. I mean, horrific thoughts are playing in your mind. It, 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 it made me develop hatred. Are playing in your mind. The anger builds up and the frustration builds up. I cried a lot. I cried uh, quietly, I cried loudly. The anger, the rage, the bitterness, the anxiety, the nightmares, and, and as years passed, you know, it's, you know, one year passed, two years passed, three years passed, it just seemed like the walls in the cell began to close in. They begin to close in. You can feel your mind, like, trying to escape from you. And you begin to wonder, well, what's going on with you? I distrusted a lot of my own perceptions. Begin to hear voices, begin to see things. 
you see sort of like something moved in your cell, that like there was somebody there. And you never knew what it was. And there's nobody there, you know? I would try to hear things, try to hear human voices. And um, sometimes I would imagine that I was hearing noises. You hear noise, and it sounds like somebody said something there. You start hearing things that's not even being said. And say, yeah, you know, yeah, what? And nobody's answering. And you wonder, were they whispering about doing something to you? Were they even saying you going crazy? Paranoia sets in so deep, it just begins to collapse in on you. And what happens is chaos. The hole drives people insane. And those who go in with emotional problems come out far, far worse. Psychiatrists describe a syndrome seen in people who've experienced sensory deprivation. POWs, hospital patients in full body cast, prisoners in the hole. The effects include insomnia, paranoia, rage, time distortion, depression, despair, claustrophobia, hallucination, and more. They'll say the end of the barrel. That's what the prison officials call it, the end of the barrel. Control units. Controlled movement. Call it maximum security, administrative segregation. Or disciplinary transfer. Isolation. You know, on and on and on and on and on. So many of them. I will say torture chambers. No other way to describe them. Solitary confinement is torture. It is torture, 100%. Of course it's torture. It, it, it's, it's torture in every form of fashion. The United Nations Human Rights Committee says that prolonged solitary confinement is torture. I believe that putting human beings in total isolation is torture. The cell itself is designed to severely limit your senses. Human beings are social beings, and to remove not only human contact, but any kind of color, tactile. The concrete, the bars, the wall. Sensory deprivation. That's torture. How do they expect you to maintain your humanity when everything you see, everything you touch, is just so hard? The effects of solitary don't end at the prison gates. More than 95% of prisoners are released at some point, and many are released directly from solitary confinement into the streets. When I first got out, uh, I was really um, psychotic, hearing voices, not knowing what happened, or, you know. My thinking level was diminished greatly. Short-term memory was gone, all right? My hands, to this day, still shake. I, I, I went into depressed mode, um, and I still do. I wake up every hour of 45 minutes. I do not sleep straight through no more. I get scared when a door locks behind me. Uh, elevators are a problem for me. The subway train opens up, and a mass of humanity is all around you. Instant panic attack. How can you come out functioning well when you have been remade? Your whole being has been rearranged into something that you don't even know who you are. You don't even know who you are anymore. So what does this have to do with the rest of us who are not in prison, who don't have a child or a spouse in prison? We all have plenty of other problems to think about. People basically they are concerned with, you know, trying to survive, everyday living that it takes to survive. So they will tell you, well, I'm not political. I don't, they don't realize that all of their life depends on politics. 
you know? There's a practical way to look at the question of how this affects all of us personally. Look at you have a dog in a cage, you keep hitting him with a stick, keep brutalizing him, open the cage, you let the dog run free. What's the dog going to do? Lick you? Wag his tail? Or is he going to tear your leg off? This is the same thing with a human being. You take a human being and you dehumanize him, degrade him, emasculate him, disorientate the hell out of him, take him directly from DDU, and they do this, just dropping him into the community. I know if the American people were educated as to what's going on in the prisons in our country, they would be up in arms that something be done. Is this true, that America would be up in arms if we only knew? I'm not sure. In any case, I'm going to give the last word to someone who is up in arms. My name is Teresa Vaughn. I am from Adrian, Michigan. Teresa is not a survivor. She's a mother of a young man, Timothy Souders, who is also not a survivor. Tim did not survive solitary confinement. Tim was a, a normal teenage boy who went into prison at the age of 19 for shoplifting. Tim's story is almost impossible to believe, but it's been very well documented. In fact, there was a video camera monitoring his cell. Tim had bipolar disorder. And when he was arrested for stealing a toy from a 7-Eleven, he flipped out. Tim was in a manic episode. He wasn't thinking clearly. And as he was leaving the stores, all the alarms went off. And then he started to run. And he had had a pocket knife on him. So when the police approached him, he was saying, kill me, I want you to kill me. And they charged him with felony resisting arrest. They gave him a three-year sentence. And then because he continued to act erratically, they locked him in solitary. Tim was writing me letters home saying that some of these things were going on. And I didn't believe that it was as bad as he was saying because I was just, you know, I never, as a middle-class American person, never thought that something like that could be going on inside the prisons. I, I really didn't believe that it was that bad until I saw the videotape. And it, it was a hundred times worse than I could have ever imagined. Tim died in solitary after being shackled to a concrete bed for 17 hours straight. Tim was in there for 17 hours in two-inch chains across his waist, his ankles, and his wrists without anybody letting him up to use the bathroom, without anybody giving him water, without anybody coming into the room. The cause of death was dehydration. And the autopsy said that Tim died of dehydration with complications due to being restrained, accidental death. Only in the corrections department does somebody die an accidental death of being restrained. I mean, we would call it murder. Tim might be one of the survivors, being able to share his story to make a change, but instead, it's me. I'm the one that has to do this for him because he's not here with us. Security threat group. There's disciplinary uh, isolation. Key block. Special housing. CCR. SA. La Solapa. Supermax. 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 
there's a whole pile of names that people use. I mean, it's just you know what it is when you go there. For Making Contact, I'm Claire Schoen. That's it for this edition of Making Contact. Survivors of Solitary Confinement was produced by Claire Schoen. Original music composed by Kiki Cruz and performed by Kiharema. Sound effects and technical support provided by Scott Kuei. Special thanks to Tony Horiza and the American Friends Service Committee, and to all of those who lent their voices and stories to this project. To see photos of the people in this story, please visit our website at radioproject.org. This program is dedicated to the memory of Timothy Souders. For a CD copy of this program, call the National Radio Project at 800-529-5736, or you can get our podcast at radioproject.org. Thanks for listening to Making Contact.